0: box13 at greatdetectives.net, follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives, and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. Well, we're doing something today that we don't typically do on this podcast, and revisiting a past series. While we do go back on Great Detectives quite a bit to listen to completed series, because we rarely try to listen to all the episodes of a particular program. We haven't done this before, but for our summer series back in 2020, we did Top Secret. It starred Ilona Massey as Baroness Karen Giza, and And since it's been a little less than two years, uh, for those who weren't listening then, it was a 1950 series telling the adventures of a European noblewoman in her espionage adventures. And we met her back in fights against the Nazis. Spent several episodes undercover as a servant to a Nazi officer's wife. In several episodes, she made excuses and got away to have her espionage adventure and then returned back until that cover was blown. And then she had several other adventures helping the Allies through World War II the series took a turn with uh, bringing her her adventures up to date in the then-current 1950, as she faced off against the forces of communism. Throughout the series, you have these sort of globetrotting adventures, and that's essentially what the series was about. Uh, Today's episode is actually the last episode of the series, as best we can tell, and at the time that I Played through Top Secret, there was only a partial version of this episode available. Now that we have the full thing, let's go ahead and take a listen. The original air date is October the 26th of 1950, and the title is The Plan for Sabotage.
1: This story is Top Secret. Top Secret, starring beautiful Ilona Massey as the Baroness Karen Gazer, in NBC's transcribed series of present day intrigue and espionage. These are stories of a woman fighting 1950s war of nerves and ideas with her own weapons in her own way. Tonight, at Assignment 17, a plan for sabotage. A story until now, top secret.
2: Assignment 17 actually began in January of 1947 in a hotel street in Copenhagen. Two days before, on January the 26th, a Dutch plane had crashed, killing my dear friend, Prince Gustavus Adolphus of Sweden. And at the same time, ending the career of the beautiful American soprano Grace Moore. I knew the story. I had the facts, but I had no proof. I had only a burning hate for the man responsible. I hated his smugness, his safety, his brilliance. I hated myself for coming to his hotel room on that day three years ago and drinking his imported champagne. My dear Baroness, only a woman of your background would have accepted my invitation. Your champagne. Thank you. You did your best to save him, didn't you? I underestimated you. I never dreamt you could get to him on a Dutch plane in Denmark. It was necessary that Gustavus Adolphus die. I could have gotten to him anywhere. I promise you that someday, I don't know how or where or when, but someday, as God is my judge, I will pay you back. Please, Baroness, no recriminations. The episode is ended. Drink your champagne. If you'll excuse me, I think i leave. I shouldn't have come. But you did come, didn't you? I wanted to hear it from your own lips. Oh, come, Baroness, we are Europeans. We may be on opposite sides, but that doesn't prevent our having a drink together. You killed 20 people in that plane crash. Are you really as calm as you look? Doesn't it bother you at all? It bothers me very much.
1: Very much indeed. I feel particularly sorry about Grace Moore. She was a very talented and attractive woman. (laughs)
2: His name was Kurt Werder, and he was a monster of evil. One year later, I saw him again, this time in Prague. It was March of 1948, and on the 10th of the month, Jan Moserich had committed suicide. At least, the Czech press claimed it was suicide. I believed otherwise, because Kurt Werder was there. This time, I tried to kill him. I went to the rooming house where he was hiding and tried to shoot him. Drop that gun, Baroness. Drop it or I break your arm. <laughs> Thank you. I swear that someday I'll get you. If it takes me the rest of my life, I'll... Baroness, will... you are a fool. Masaryk was afraid to live. He jumped out of that window himself. Now get out. I swear that someday I'll kill you. I swear it. That will be difficult. My next assignment is in America. I'm marrying an American girl from the United States Legation in Sofia. We are sailing for New York next Thursday. And then, Kurt Werder disappeared. I neither heard of him nor saw him for two years. I came to America myself, and gradually, the evil which he stood for faded from my memory. And then, last week, that memory returned with a rush. And Dr. Gordon Huntley, one of the most prominent surgeons in New York, telephoned me at my apartment. Hello? Dr. Huntley, of course I remember you. How are you?
1: Oh, I'm, I'm fine, thank you. I have something I'd like to talk to you
2: about. Oh, really?
1: Yes, I uh, I felt that because of your work, you might be able to help me. Have you ever heard of a man named Kurt Werther?
2: Uh, Kurt Werther?
1: Yes. Do you know him?
2: Yes. Yes, I do.
1: Could you see me tonight?
2: Uh, certainly. Well... 7.15 will be fine, Dr.
1: Huntley. Sure. My office
2: is 918 East 72nd Street. 918 East 72nd.
1: I'll be there at 7.15. it's back it's 7 o'clock and the shaft of child isn't coming. Why don't you go down to the corner and get yourself a sandwich?
2: Uh, you have a 7.15 appointment, Dr. Huntley.
1: I won't need you. It's personal.
2: Well, if you're sure...
1: You're the hungriest woman in New York now. Hon, home. <laughs> all
2: right, I would... Oh, Dr. Huntley. Yeah? Did you have a patient last night after I left?
1: What makes you think so?
2: Because I distinctly remember emptying the sani-pail last night before I left, and this morning there was some sore uh, advantage. I'm supposing
1: i tell you about it later.
2: Well, of course, I didn't mean to imply that there was any... Anything... Well, that's all
1: right, nurse. Go out and have some supper and be back at eight. Yes,
2: sir. Excuse me, I didn't realize there was anyone waiting. Will you tell Dr. Huntley that Mrs. Werther is here? Have you an appointment, Mrs. Werther? you see me. Tell him. Unless you're seriously ill, I'm afraid you'll have to make an appointment. Dr. Huntley's very busy and he you never... you see me. Just tell him. I'm afraid... Oh, I'll that... tell him myself. Mrs. Werther, you can't go in there. Dr. Huntley <laughs> never sees anybody without an appointment. Gordon! Dr. Huntley just pushed her way in. I told her. You... all right,
1: Nurse Black. Go and have your supper.
2: I told her you were busy, that you never saw anybody... Will you please go a...
1: and have your supper?
2: Yes, Dr. Huntley. Shut the door. Are you still keeping it a secret? All right.
1: I told you not to come here. I told you I didn't want to have anything more to do with you. I did what you asked. I've given you 48 hours. Well, now I'm going to the police.
2: Gordon, when you've lived in Europe as long as I have, you get a different plant on me, Freda. Look,
1: Freda, this country suits me fine, just Fine. I refuse to help a man who gets shot trying to wreck it. I hate communism, and I don't want to have anything to do with it. You're afraid. All right, I'm afraid. I happen to have a reputation to protect. If the hospital ever knew about you, I'd be finished. I think you owe it to me, Gordon. I don't owe you anything.
2: Kurt's wound is infected. I want you to come. No. It's only two blocks.
1: you turned up out of nowhere after all these years, and I helped you. But I won't help you anymore.
2: I'm sorry we had to come to you, but there was no other way. We didn't know any other surgeon in New York. I know you hate me. I know you disagree. I don't hate you. Well, you certainly can't love me very much. Look,
1: Frida, I don't care if Court dies. Now, do you understand that?
2: That's been a fairly
1: consistent attitude with you, hasn't it? Frida, forget the past. I did what any doctor would do because I was so so stunned at seeing you. And because you do happen to be... I'm
2: Court's wife and I love him. Well,
1: that's too bad. You marry somebody from a sewer, you've got to live with a stench.
2: Listen, Gordon. I'm just about at the end of my rope. Court is not going to die. You may not think he's much, but I love him. I love him enough to go to jail for him, steal for him, or even... even kill for him. We've got to have a week before he can travel. That's all, just a week. Now get your bag and come.
1: If you don't get out of here, I'll call the police. I won't... Rita, are you crazy? Put that gun away.
2: We've got to have a week. Not from me. I mean this, Gordon. We've got to have a week. I'll get your bag and come on. This is a debt of yours, Gordon. Now come quietly. If you don't, this gun will make a terrible mess of your face. Baroness, I just don't understand it. I just don't understand where he could go. He always has office hours Tuesday night. Did you call the hospital? And his phone service, and his hotel. And they haven't heard from him? Nobody has heard from him. Have you ever seen this Mrs. Werther before? No. You're sure? Positive. If there was only some way we could get her address. Do you know? I know her husband. But what's the connection with Dr. Huntley? I don't know. I only know that her husband is one of the most dangerous men in the world. Baroness, there's something else. What? Yesterday morning, I always get in before Dr. Huntley, I found some soiled dressings in the sani pail. I don't understand. At the end of the day, I clean up. If there were blood-stained bandages in the garbage yesterday morning, Dr. Huntley must have had a surgical case last night after I left. Did you ask him? Matter of fact, I did. He, well, he, he was sort of evasive. He said he'd tell me about it later. Baroness, do you think we ought to call the police? I don't know. I, I don't know what to do. Half past ten, I'm getting worried. There may be some perfectly logical explanation, Nurse Black. Let's read until midnight. If he isn't home then... Oh uh, <coughs> Dr. Huntley's office.
1: Uh, nurse Black, this is Hanlon's pharmacy. Oh, hello, Mr. Hanlon. Is, is Dr. Huntley there?
2: No, I'm sorry, he's out. May I take a message? Well,
1: we just got the oddest prescription from Dr. Huntley that I ever saw in my life.
2: Prescription? when?
1: Oh, just now. For penicillin
2: in it just doesn't make sense. Will you hold the line a moment? Uh, better still, can I call you back?
1: Oh, there's
2: a man waiting for it. Mr. Hanlon, just, just stall for a minute, will you? Just, just stall for a minute, and I'll call you right back. <coughs> That's the druggist at the corner, Hanlon's pharmacy. We've dealt there for ages. He just got a prescription from Dr. Huntley. You think... Nurse Black. I think you're a very smart woman. Do You want me to come with you? No. You stay here in hear Dr. Huntley calls. There's a man waiting for the prescription. I tell you what, I'll phone Hanlon and say you're on your way down. You can walk it in less than a minute. I'll tell him you'll go to the side door. It opens right into the dispensary at the back of the store. Is uh, that the man out there, Mr. Hummel? Uh, the red-haired fellow in the dark coat. Then did he come in? Now just before I telephoned Nurse Black. What did you tell him? Well, I said it would take about 20 minutes to make up a prescription. He said he'd wait. Have you ever seen him before? I, I don't remember him. What's so odd about this prescription? Well, there's no address on it. That's odd. And then the quantity.
1: Uh, tablet, penicillin, oral. 100 units and numeral 5. One tablet
2: four times daily. It, it doesn't make sense. That's five 100-unit tablets. And there's no such thing as a 100-unit tablet. Are you sure that's Dr. Huntley's writing? Oh, yes. I've been filling his prescriptions for years. What's your usual penicillin prescription? Well, it varies. Supposing you give him 20 tablets of 100,000 units each? Well, I, I don't know. I... Mr. Hanlon, believe me, you are dealing with something big here. Please do as I ask. Make up a prescription and give it to that man. And what are you going to do? I am going to follow him. Dr. Huntley is in trouble. I followed the red-haired man to a house on 74th Street. Down at the very end, it was a remodeled bronze stone, solid and silent. The street was dark. And a few feet away, the black waters of the East River glistened easily. There were stone steps leading up to the door, which was well above street level. The man went up the steps, and there was a momentary flash of light as the door opened. I stood on the opposite side of the street, pressed against the wall, waiting. A bolt, otherwise the night was dark and almost absolutely still. I crossed the street and silently crept up the stairs of the brownstone house. By, by leaning well out over the stone railing, I could, I could just see beneath the brown line in the front window. I could see a woman's hand holding tightly the revolver. I could see Dr. Huntley bending over a man lying on a couch. When Dr. Huntley stood up, I was looking straight into the eyes of Court Werder. This was all I needed. He was wanted on no less than six in separate charges... ...and I knew where he was. A telephone call and court murder would be arrested. In my heart there was a tremendous feeling of excitement and triumph. At last, after all these years I had him trapped. At last he would pay for his crimes. The murders and the sabotage. In the darkness... I turned and started soundlessly... down the stone steps to the street. And then... ...as always happened with this man almost as though some cruel people was protecting him. I stepped on something that was... That, that was soft. There was a furious rush of fur against my legs. <laughs> there was a, a whirl of half-conscious sensation, hands lifting my body. Could hear him smiling at me, his wife holding a gun. I was carried down stone stairs to a damp, musty cellar where the air was foul and evil. <laughs> Through the agonizing pain in my head, I was aware of a small square room with stone walls and a stone floor. Through the midst, I could hear Dr. Huntley speaking to me. And...
1: Now, just take it easy, Ernest. You're all right.
2: Oh, Dr. Oh, Huntley, what happened?
1: We fell down the front steps of this house. Did your head. Oh, are, we, are we... Yes, we are prisoners.
2: Do you... Do you know who this man is?
1: Good weather, yes, I know.
2: For years, years, I've hated him.
1: He came to me the night before last with a bullet wound in his shoulder. I... I treated him.
2: Without reporting? I had to. You had to, why? Because...
1: I... I'm sorry, I, I can't tell you that. Are you... No, Baroness, I swear I'm not. I hate communism and everything it stands for, and I'm not afraid to say so anywhere, anytime. What is this house used for? Well, the cellar is built around an old sewer that leads into the East River. The sewer's been enlarged, made into an underground boathouse. They have a launch out there. I heard it go out last night. A launch? Yes, a big one. It's got four 16-cylinder engines, Fritz told me. What else? Well, there's a printing press and a complete set of plates for forging U.S. passports, visas, and naturalization papers. They bring people in, supposedly refugees, actually spies.
2: Werder and his wife? Yes. And Werder was shot?
1: Trying to get away from the police.
2: And you didn't report this? I couldn't. Why?
1: I... I can't tell you that.
2: Is Werder blackmailing? No. Did you know him in Europe? No. His wife, perhaps? Did you know her? She's an American. She used to work in the legation in Sofia. I don't want to discuss Mrs. Werther, Baroness. I'm... I'm sorry.
1: Is Kurt Werther badly hurt? No, he's all right now. You know how penicillin acts an infection in the gun wound. We've got to get out of here. Baroness, we're in the basement.
2: Stone walls. That's an oak door three inches thick. Mr. Huntley, Kurt Werther has murdered more than a hundred people. If we don't get out of this house, he'll kill us. <laughs> But we didn't get out. We stayed there, day after day, in that horrible cell of the wet stone walls. Each morning, Dr. Huntley was taken upstairs to change the bandage on Kurt Werder's shoulder. Then he was brought back. We were fed by Fritz, the man with red hair. Each night, we heard the launch go out. The roar of the engine seemed right outside our door. We heard it come back in the early morning. Things were happening in this hall of evil. But what things? He couldn't even guess. Cook, this house is getting on my nerves. Two people in it against their will for almost a week. You, Fritz, and Theo to help you. There's no need for you to see them at all. I know. Oh, then why do you? I can't help it. Well, it's only for another 24 hours, then we will be away. Are you sure you're strong enough? Frida, will you stop fussing over me? I've been shot before. It was a nasty wound. Well, we can't wait any longer. It's only a matter of time until the police catch up with us. Did Fritz get the launch repaired? Yes. And the printing press? He took it apart and dropped the pieces into the river. I've burned the passport blanks, everything. Good. Are you sure there won't be any slip-up? Of
1: course I'm sure.
2: Radio transmitters can be located. Not
1: when they're in a boat.
2: We've never sent a message
1: from the same place twice. Fritz went 30 miles up the coast last night before he even touched the key.
2: Did Colonel Grelevich confirm the position? He will pick us up in a seaplane 200 miles off the coast. What about the weather? Frida, will you stop fussing? 200 miles is a long way Not out. in that boat. Four hours. Now stop it.
1: Are you losing your nerve?
2: No. I'm sick of it. Hiding, being afraid all the time. Are you? Yes. Here is a little thing, a small price, when you consider what we have done for the party. And what has the party done for us? Drop it, Frida. Never any place long enough to make any friends, living on promises and expectations, and pretending that every assignment, every job, every meeting, every winter, every summer is going to be the last. But we'll finally settle down someplace, any place, and just stay. Just stay.
1: Oh, I said drop it,
2: Frida. I'm sick of it. It hasn't worked. Shut up. Well, it hasn't. It's never going to work. The whole set run by a bunch of lying, stupid, egomaniacs who <laughs> lie and cheat and <laughs> murder. I'm sorry, Cook. You should be. Let's go to bed. I think I will have a chat with the Baroness. Kurt, please. Let's go to bed. Please don't talk to that woman anymore.
1: Oh. <laughs> All right. There will be time for that later. Later? Oh, didn't I tell you? When we leave tomorrow night, we are taking the Baroness with us. Finished eating, Baroness?
2: I can't eat anymore. But, Sir Huntley, we've got to get out of here. Somehow we've got to get out.
1: Baroness, we've been over that. It's like trying to get out of Sing Sing.
2: But we can't let them get away. Even if it means my life, Kurt Werder has to be caught
1: what do you suggest?
2: Fritz. He'll come back for the trade.
1: We'll rush him. He's got a gun and he weighs at least 200 pounds. Besides, if they're leaving tonight, we'll be out of this in the morning. You will be. I won't. What do you mean?
2: Kurt Werder is taking me with him. He... He's what? Yes. Yeah. He told me. They are being picked up by a seaplane. at sea. Mr. Hunter, we can't let this man escape. Believe me, we can't. Please help me. Please.
1: All right. We'll try it.
2: Fritz will come for the tray and pick it up. I'll say something to distract his attention and you hit him. Oh, that won't work. He's smart. He'll realize... Here he comes. You've got to try it. You've got to.
1: you threw your lunch? Yes. You?
2: Yes, Fritz. Uh, And, Fritz, I I have something very important to tell you. Something that... Keep
1: quiet. Dr. Huntley, you will be out in the morning. I want a prescription... My my mother is in Prague. She's sick, badly sick. I want penicillin, a lot of it. In Prague, it is only obtainable by members of the party or or the army. I brought the prescription pad from your bag here. Write it out. All right, Fritz, sure, I'll be glad to. If you put that gun away... Write it. Put the gun away, Fritz. Write it now. Well, if you're stupid enough to try to force me to write a prescription at the point of a gun, go ahead. Your mother will just have to get along. Now, come on. Put the gun away. Huh. Thank you. Did you bring a pen? Yeah, yeah. Oh, thanks very much.
2: Oh. He's got good. Yeah, and the flashlight. Do you think they heard us?
1: I don't know. Come on.
2: Lock the door. Yes. Now what? Shine your flashlight along there.
1: This passage goes up into the house.
2: We never make it. We we'll have to try to get off by the water. We can't be more than 50 feet from the East River. All right. Watch your head. Ceiling gets lower here. It is a sewer. Look larger, look larger to hold that boot. Do you see it? Shine the flashlight on. There it is.
1: Yeah. You hold the flashlight. I'll see if I can start it.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. No key. Maybe it isn't locked. If those four engines start at once, they'll hear us in Macy's. Try. Right.
2: Yeah.
1: The ignition's locked. We'll have to swim for it. In that? Sewage will wash off. Bullets won't.
2: The fault of it is it
1: Let me see how deep it is.
2: Don't slip and don't get the gun back.
1: All right. It's only up to my chest. Come on. Pass me the flashlight.
2: Three, Hurry. Hurry. Take my hand. Won't be far. We can't be more than 50 feet. However,. Everything sounds so loud down here. It's so dark.
1: Hang on to me. Take it easy. Greg, what are you doing? He's here. Shh. Move
2: me. You need the flashlight.
1: Not much work.
2: The flashlight, you idiot. Shoot you shouldn't be sees us. The... It can be like picking ducks off a pond. Turn it out. I could feel it. Be perfectly still and won't move.
1: Greg, what is going on in there? Open the door.
2: This man is a maniac. Oh, he's opening the door. Horset gun, don't get it wet. I never shot a revolver in my life. Give it to me. Don't move. Dress yourself against the wall and don't move. Baroness, if you and the doctor are in the tunnel. perhaps you'd be interested in knowing that the entrance into the river is opened by a lever. Back here. You can't possibly get out. And you can't stay in that water indefinitely. Baroness, I am going. Well, Baroness. (laughs) I guess I will have to come and get you. coming after us in the boat. Shoot for the searchlight. Shoot for the searchlight. Search yes. Did you hit him? No. I hit the searchlight. Shh. Listen. I couldn't have hit him too. Something happened, him. It's a trick. I know it's a trick.
1: We can't stand this water forever. If we can't get to the river, we'll have to go back.
2: Don't move. Let's go back. You follow the opposite wall. I'll follow this one. And be quiet. Very quiet. Bye. Right. Light! Somebody turn the lights on from upstairs. Hurry! <laughs> Hurry! They're all upstairs. Keeping the boat. Watch out! Who them?
1: No. You killed them.
2: Help me up. Of two of them I... Will you help me up and stop talking?
1: All right, lean on my shoulder. Be careful. Can you make it? Yes. Baroness, listen. What? If Frida comes down here,
2: please don't hurt her. What? What's happened? What's all the shooting? Don't move, Mrs. Werther. And drop that gun. Frida, listen. Kill him. I killed him. I killed him. I swear that someday I'll get rid of him and I did. But you were with her, Gordon. It's twice. Right. Free to stop it. You're hysterical. This is where they
1: dropped gun. Both of them, Gordon. Both of them. Veterans, don't shoot her. Please. Free, oh. Free.
2: He's, He's dead. dead. Dr. Huntley, I knew there was something between you and Mrs. Wilson. That's why I wouldn't let Mr. Hammond go to police.
1: Thank you, Nurse Black. If the relationship between Frida and me were made public, I'd be ruined professionally. This way I can keep it quiet. Uh is the Baroness outside? Yes. Ask it, then, please.
2: Yes, Dr. Huntley. Oh, Frida, I'm so sorry. Good morning, Dr. Huntley. How do you feel? Oh, I, I'm all right, Baroness. How about you? Everything is cleaned up. They were smuggling in aliens. A lot of the records were found. And most of the people will be rounded up. Fritz and the other men are in jail. They are burying Crud's brother tomorrow. I I understand you requested custody of Mrs. Werder's body. Yes. Why? And why were you so concerned about her in the tunnel? Because I was responsible for the death of both of her husbands. Of what?
1: I performed an operation on her first husband when he died on the operating table. She was very bitter about it. And in a way, I was responsible for Werther, too. If it hadn't been for me, you wouldn't have caught up with him.
2: She was a spy, a traitor. She deserved to die.
1: I know. But you see, I loved her. I felt responsible for her.
2: You? You were in love with her? I didn't say that. I don't understand.
1: Baroness Frieda Werther was... She was my sister. You have just heard Top Secret, NBC's transcribed drama of intrigue and espionage, with the gorgeous star of stage, screen, and radio, Ilona Massey. Top Secret was written, directed, and produced by Harry W. Junkin. Heard in support of Miss Massey tonight were Ian Martin, Inga Adams, Carl Emery, Louis Van Roten, and Connie Lemke. The music was composed and conducted by Doctor Roy Shields. This is Brett Collins speaking.
0: Welcome back. Well, I appreciated the first part of the episode, and how it really uh, brought to life why she hated uh, this guy so much, and I, I thought that this was a really good touch. It would often not be done this way Uh, In a series, you know, you would just hear about what a monster the guy was and how he killed people on this airplane. Getting a chance to hear them interact really does bring this home. And that's really important because the episode doesn't give them a whole lot of chances to interact. I think I was okay with how she ended up getting caught. It wasn't incompetence or even clumsiness. It was just something that happens. You know, you may be a baroness, you may be an international woman of mystery, but, you know, life happens, particularly when you're dealing with proper where there's uh, something that uh, you could trip and fall on. I did have a question about when they got away from that one thug. His claim that Penicillin was only available to party members. Seemed worth investigating. Well, I looked into it a bit. I couldn't find any direct verification whether that was a thing in Czechoslovakia. Uh, Though certainly there would be better health care available to his mother in Prague than if she were in the rural part of the country. Health care in the... Soviet Union, as well as in the satellite countries, tended to rely very much on preventative care as it uh, developed, and not so much on cures. They had a very strong focus on, you know, making sure that uh, you made physical, and they had various hot springs that would become available to the public that in previous times had only been available to the uh, aristocrat. Whether that would equate to not uh, getting penicillin Uh, is another matter. But I think one thing to keep in mind is this episode was set in 1950, and about five years after the end of the war. And for any country that had been occupied by the Nazis, there were still struggles, regardless of which side of the Iron Curtain that you were on. So, if there were limited supplies of penicillin, it's not implausible that those would tend to go to party members who were viewed as being very productive to the state. And it might not even be the supply, but it was also uh, going to be a challenge to see a uh, doctor because at the time, Czechoslovakia had a very high ratio of the population to uh, doctors. In 1954, the Ratio would be 754 people for every physician in the country. So, it may be a challenge to actually get in to see a doctor to to even get the prescription and get the care. I don't think it's implausible, but I could not find any verification that it actually was a thing that happened. Once again, the episode reiterates that you don't want to mess around with the Baroness. While her preference earlier Earlier in the episode was to bring her quarry in she had no problem dealing with him violently and even uh, going ahead and uh, shooting his wife when she was threatening her life i also liked the twist at the end uh, where the wife was not romantically involved with the doctor, rather was his sister. I think that there can be a sense in a lot of these uh, stories where people's emotions and um Hormones are getting ahead of common sense, good judgment, and uh, patriotism. Having it turn out that uh, it was his sister puts a whole new light on it and does show the complexity that uh, can emerge in these situations. So I thought this was a good episode overall. I think it might be my favorite of the Cold War episodes. There are a couple of programs out there, top secret, not currently in circulation, and if they do come in, we will uh, revisit eventually, but I think that is all for now. We will be back next week having uh, finished off a little unfinished business with our summer series of 2020. We're going to get into our summer series of 2022 with Men of a Thousand Voices. We will be featuring a summer of programs. We'll star either Paul Frees or Frank Graham, each man known as the One Man Theater, the Man of a Thousand Voices. We'll talk about them. We'll play their programs, and it's going to be a fun summer. I hope you will be with us. Uh, Join us back here next Wednesday for that. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.